Good morning, my friends. I'm so glad you could be with me today in the Unfolding the Word ministry. If you've been with me, you know we're in the midst of a study of the book of Romans. We're in the first chapter, and today I want to pick up our reading in chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Back in verse 10 through verse 12 yesterday, we were looking at the goals for fellowship with the believers. Paul had said in those verses that he longed to get into a face-to-face -face opportunity to be with the Roman believers. How that very desire to be with them proved a changed heart coming from the Lord Jesus Christ toward a group that were at one time the hated conquerors of his homeland. He saw, as you remember, that the opportunity to be together with the Romans was an opportunity for mutual ministry to take place. And Paul understood that gathering together with other believers was crucial in the plan of God. He commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And in Hebrews chapter 10, he reminds us that it's when we're together that we get stimulated to love and good deeds. And in Hebrews chapter 3, we're reminded that it's when we're together that we have protection because we exhort one another to stay with the course, to uh, help us from being drifting into a deception about our true condition, where we grow hard of heart at times. <laughs> the body joining together with brothers and sisters in Christ is crucial in God's great plan. It's how God intends us to keep going. He has lots of things that he's doing when the church gathers, but that is one of the central things that's happening. And by the way, that mutual ministry, one to the other, doesn't happen because you happen to be attending a meeting somewhere. It's the interaction of the people that produces that. And so it's not a spectator sport. When you gather with believers, it's intended to be a mutual ministry opportunity. Now today, staying with that same theme of his desire to be with the Roman believers in that mutual ministry that he has that great intention of, Paul moves forward in introducing us to some other concepts, and ultimately what he's introducing us to is the sense of obligation that he felt toward those who were lost, an obligation toward those who were found as well, an obligation to carry out ministry. In other words, Paul wanted fellowship with those Roman believers, but at the same time, he wanted to be at Rome so he could reach out to the lost in Rome. He saw his time there, whenever God would finally work it out, to be a chance to, as he puts it, reap some harvest. Paul had a harvest mentality about life and ministry. He wanted his life to be fruitful. Fundamental to our new life in Christ and the changes that God is producing within us is that each believer, I see, I believe, has within now an impulse to fruitfulness. We want our lives to count. We want our lives to make a difference in this world. 
We want God to use us. Now, in moving forward on that, we face lots of obstacles at times, fears, and so forth. But nonetheless, the impulse from that new man that we are in Jesus Christ makes us want to be fruitful. Paul talks about this same sort of goal and desire for fruitfulness in the book of Philippians in chapter 1. Listen to these verses, starting in verse 21 of chapter 1 of Philippians. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And yet, I, I shall choose which I shall choose, I cannot tell. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your accounts. So, as he put it, if I'm to live on in the flesh, it'll mean fruitful labor. I can accomplish the purposes of God in my life. I can know my life's making a difference. Do you know your life's making a difference? You know, you can't even know that because your life isn't making any difference if you haven't come to know Christ as Savior. But even coming to know Christ as Savior, we can put ourselves on the shelf. We can put ourselves in neutral and our lives are not producing what God has left us in this world to produce. God wants us to have fruitful lives. It is his purpose for each believer to feel fruitful, to be used. I'm just going to share some verses with you on that. For example, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 15, in verse 18, it's the section of the Gospel of John talking about the vine and the branches. Uh, that image, that metaphor that God uses of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Christian walk. At any rate, in verse 8, he says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is how God is glorified, that we bear fruit. That very desire and inclination that God builds within us is fulfilled. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have the joy of such fruitfulness. And it is a travesty, brothers and sisters, of our new life in Christ when we are not fruitful. In Romans chapter 7, we'll come to it eventually in our study of the book of Romans, and verse 4 it says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. <laughs> is bearing fruit important to God? Yes. Is it important to us? It's supposed to be. And God wants us to yield our lives into his purpose and plan so that we can be fruitful. Another verse on this, just to underscore the point, so it's not just here in Rome, at Rome and in the book of Romans. In the book of Colossians, in the first chapter, Paul writes, starting in verse 9, and so from the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, what would that understanding of God's will lead to? He goes on and he says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, fruitfulness involves a number of things, but ultimately fruitfulness involves leading people who are lost to the Savior so they can be found. Leading people out of darkness into light 
So fruitfulness has to do with evangelism and the, and the witness to the gospel. And fruitfulness includes more than that, but it doesn't include less than that. So fruitfulness and evangelism, people coming to Christ, we want our lives to be used by God in some way to lead people to Christ, both through our actions, through our words, through our exercise of gift. Fruitfulness. Now, Paul, picking up on that, then moves forward in these verses and he says, I feel an obligation to the lost. I'm under obligation to the Greeks and to the barbarians, the wise and the foolish, to be bound by duty. To the, This word obligation in the Greek has the idea of feeling a moral and ethical responsibility. Here's the issue. Paul had the cure for the real problem, the true problem of humanity. That problem of sin and accountability that would lead to eternal separation from God. That's the problem. That's the bad news. He had the cure for it. And he simply could not, in good conscience, deny the cure to people by being quiet about it. Is that how your heart sees it? You have the cure, the true cure, for what really ails people. <laughs> Whatever they may present to you as their problem, their core problem, is that they're not right with God. And you have the cure. The gospel is the cure. Paul felt obligated, pressured, to do the sharing of that message and bear fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and onward, he says, For necessity is laid on me. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. In verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9, he says, For though I am free of all, I've made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. I've become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. <laughs> all right. An attitude of fruitfulness. So key. So in verses 10 to 15 now, in summary of these that we've been looking at, Paul had a desire for mutual ministry. He had a desire for fruitfulness with the Roman believers. And he had a sense of obligation. And all of that was making him eager to get to Rome. Do you need more eagerness in your life? Reflect on the purpose for your life, the fruitfulness Reflect on the obligation that God has laid on you. You have a cure that people desperately need. And remind yourself, as 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20 tells us, we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us to a lost world. And we come to that world and say, be reconciled to God. The Lord Jesus Christ has died for you. The gospel. Well, join me tomorrow, and we will continue in our study, Lord willing, of the book of Romans.